Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dibbly Dobblers Cricket Podcast. As always, I'm your main host, Callum, and I've got my secondary host with me, as always. Oh, sorry, producer, dinner lady, and god-awful stats man, Andrew. <laughs> god-awful stats man. I'm a better stats man than you are at doing intros. <laughs> Aye, but we can rework the intro. <laughs> can I rework your... <laughs> Farce of a Mitchell Johnson wicket start. <laughs> Mitchell Johnson? Mitchell Johnson, <laughs> aye. Mitchell Stark. I think him. Some Aussie bloke called Mitchell, whatever. Marsh. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchell Marsh. Mate, if that boy gets to 99 wickets, I'll be shocked. Uh, yeah, hopefully our stats are more on point this week. How are you? I, I'm fine. Christmas time coming up, as you can see. Yeah, well, if you're on. watching us on YouTube, you can see. If you're listening on audio well nail luck we're wearing Christmas watches on YouTube <laughs> aye so um, yeah no but doing good had my booster the day your booster yeah. aye my covid booster so I'm I thought you could use a full size seat in the car <laughs> bam, bam. <laughs> I'll tell the jokes <laughs> just because you'll be driving home for Christmas I don't hey, know if people can even I don't, think, I don't know if my camera's good enough or if I my mic arm is in the way but that is what the jumper says driving home for Christmas yeah so diarrhea out the mouth Chris Rhea on the top that's what it is hey. Hey. Uh, we're on form tonight that's we're it. on absolutely form tonight absolutely terrible as always but the people who listen to watch us would expect no better exactly that's so. what that's what they come in for they don't care about the cricket <laughs> chat it's all about the awful humour the good thing is in life if you set your standards low at the start nobody expects any better of you it's like when you know you want to get out of doing the dishwasher so you, you just <laughs> do it really badly and then you don't have to do it yeah. anymore it's that kind of thing you burn her favourite top when you're doing the ironing so that she always does it in future <laughs> <laughs> I, I've not done that one but it's, it's noted it's noted <laughs> But um, uh, how are you doing? Yeah, good. You're good. doing good. It's, uh, we're, we're, we're prepped. We prepped for this show tonight. We've got something resembling notes. We've even got some snazzy graphics for I later mean, on as well. I'm not. Sh- I'm glad you know what that says because I certainly don't. For anyone who has never witnessed Andrew's handwriting, chicken scratching sort of springs there's to mind. The, there's your notes for this evening, folks. Um, uh, we were digging out a memory box the other day, and Andrew showed me his P1 jotter. It's not improved <laughs> since that point. You make it sound like we live together. <laughs> and I mean, it has happened in the past. It so. has, so you know, you never know. I do just wander into your house, open your fridge, and take stuff. So yeah. to be fair, it's it's fine. It's the way it should be. Ah, exactly. Anyway, what we're chatting? Uh, I don't know. Tonight. We should really talk about cricket rather than our bromance. So. <laughs> Well, uh, news. Well, saw today that Mohammad Rizwan had passed two thousand T Twenty runs for a calendar year, um, becoming the first man to do so, and quite convincingly when we were looking at the stats. Yeah. For this. Um. So the second highest total within a calendar year, calendar year has also been set this year um, by his pal. Yeah, by his pal, his opening partner for Pakistan, Babar Azam, who's got 1,779 runs so far. Yeah, no, I mean, they've had an absolutely stunning year. And I think, yeah, they were probably a bit unlucky not to do a bit better at the World Cup. But um, yeah. it just one of those, I suppose, tournament play where if you have an off day, it can cost you. Um, Nature of the beast. But yeah. yeah, so, I mean, absolutely stunning, especially when you consider the drop then down to Chris Gale in third place, another hundred, well, I mean, he's what, the best part of 400 runs behind 
Rizwan. Um, uh, yeah, so Rizwan has now got 2,030 runs from 45 innings, uh, an average of 56.55. Babar Azam's got 1,779 runs from 43 innings at 48.08. In 2015... Um, Chris Gale scored 1,665 runs from only 36 innings Which at an average of 59.46. It's stunning. I mean, when we, we were looking through the list of like top run scorers in a calendar year, and it was like going through the top 10 or dozen so. And like Chris Gale is there like four times. Yeah. And nobody else appears. Oh, no, sorry. Babar Azam, I think, is like fifth on the list as well yeah. or something. But so he's there twice. And Gale's there like four times. Yeah. And it just shows like how dominant he has been. But not had a year like Rizwan. It's yeah, I mean, Rizwan has just had an almighty year. Um, and he has one ton in that as well, which just seems... It's not like he's had... So, you know how you'll see like... You get to the end of a series, you know, a test series, for example, and the top yeah. run scorer, some bloke who's had a kind of mediocre series but he's scored a triple century as yeah, well. Yeah. Like, it's not like he's just had, like, five tons that have been massive. It's yeah, like no, he's just churning out a 50 every time he goes uh, out to uh, bat. It's, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. So, yeah. Um, credit to Mohamed. I, I would assume, I don't think that he'll be due to play any more T20 cricket. Um, the ODI series with the West... Well, they were meant to move on to the ODIs with the West Indies after the third T20 that's just been played. It's cancelled because of COVID. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming, given that they were meant to be playing ODIs, he will have no more T20 cricket, and that will be his we final think so, position. But the Lankan Premier League's ongoing at the moment. You oh, might go give shit. that a whirl. <laughs> like, ah. <laughs> I'm free for a couple of weeks. Let's go get more runs. <laughs> ah. He has signed for Sussex for next year as well, which is a pretty big signing for the, the Blast. Yes. Although whether he gets Huge. pinched off to the 100, I don't know. But, um, although they've had the draft, haven't they? Yeah, I'm not sure. I was what, coming up. What the state would play with the hundred squads for next year is. Um, but I mean that'll be a good one for. Yeah, definitely. For down there, definitely. I was really just trying to avoid you mentioning the other name that we wrote down on the list. 2016 Virat Kohli. Yeah. Who, 1,640. He was only 25 runs short of the record, but he only played 29 innings that year and batted at an average of 89.66. Um. Which is obscene. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't like him, but it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does help playing on some of the flattest pitches in the world. Same could probably be said for the top two, though, as well. So, um, yeah, and I mean, Chris Gill's played on plays on every pitch in the world every year, so Aye, he plays on all the flat ones too. Lively pitches, <laughs> flat pitches, yeah. pitches made of ice, all them. All them. I bet he's taking part in like the ice T20 that happens in the Alps or so, <laughs> or whatever. If not, he will over the next 18 months or so. Aye, as is, as is like big franchises start to diminish, it'll just be like, right, what can I play in? <laughs> Showing up in the Scottish T20. <laughs> Granger have got that sort of money. They can definitely <laughs> afford it. Uh, wow. I mean... I mean, I'd be down. I'd be watching it. Absolutely. Be quality. Who wouldn't? Exactly. Uh, so, Grange, you know, so yeah. if that happens, we want 50% of the takings because we came up with the idea. So, just saying. We'll come and do your commentary, though, when you live stream it. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine interviewing Chris Gale. That would just be... I mean, we don't really know about interviewing anyone, to be fair, but... We will, though. We will. We'll get yeah. there. 
we'll get Gary on. <laughs> yeah, no, we will. We will get interviews. That's something that we will be doing down the line. Um, in the new year. In the new year, indeed. Right. What right. Else we Virat Kohli. Virat Kohli. Since we've been speaking about. Seeing as we've been talking about him. Yeah, our, hit, fa- our favorite man. Yeah, hitting the headlines over the last few days. Um, obviously, at the end of the T Twenty World Cup, he relinquished the T Twenty captaincy for India. Yep. Um, it was then announced what two weeks ago, or thereabouts, yeah. um, that he was also yeah. going to be relinquishing the. No, I don't think it was long ago as that. But anyway. Anyway, uh, he's no longer the one day captain either. Yep. Um, are at the time was speculation as to whether that was his decision or not. I think it looks fairly clear that it wasn't his decision. Yeah, I think to be fair, early on, I think I think there was some speculation about it not being his own decision, but I think fairly quickly they sort of turned around and said that no, they wanted to have one white ball captain and felt it wouldn't be appropriate, you know, it just wouldn't really work having bec- I suppose especially because they both play for both sides. Yeah, like so. I think it might have been different if Virat Kohli had stopped playing T Twenty cricket. Whether we'd be having this conversation, I don't know. But because they both play in both white ball formats, I think it was just like this is too confusing. And it's not. It's not like Rohit Sharma is a junior player. It's not like they've made Rishabh Pant or something the T Twenty yeah. captain. Where yeah, you're they've like, chosen well, someone else who's beyond thirty. Yeah, you're not bedding in a new talent, and you're like, well, we're giving the T Twenties. He's still got Kohli around. To help him out, like it's they've replaced, he's been replaced as the skipper. So, I think I get why they moved that on, but it's kind of been kicking off since then because he's since been rested, I believe, for the South Africa white ball leg of the tour. Yeah, so I, there's kind of been a bit of a war of words, really, isn't there? So uh, you kind of summed it up for me earlier. Go remind me as to yeah, what, so what actually <laughs> has happened. I mean, I've probably. Didn't uh, you know, l- let us know if we've got this wrong. But um, from following on Twitter, sort of a headline level, it seems to be that there was a suggestion that Coley maybe was asked to reconsider, or or was told basically, if you are going to relinquish the T Twenty position, we're probably going to have to take the one day position off you. He says, "I was never asked to reconsider." And to be fair, his announcement from about the T Twenty captaincy came quite a while ago now. Yeah. Um. So it's not around. And then it seems to be that there was a suggestion that he wanted to be rested, and he's turned around and gone, "No, I didn't want to be rested." So it just seems to be, it's Ganguly and Coley seem to be, the. Uh, some of it's getting put on Sharma and Dravid, but in reality. It doesn't really seem to be them. It seems to be Ganguly and Coley. Yeah, it seems to be Coley against the sort of BCCI itself rather than the, the team leadership. Yeah. And it's an interesting one, though, because, I mean, Coley is massive. and But, I mean, Ganguly is a pretty well-loved figure in the country as well. So it's you've kind of got some titans of the game. It's not like what we see in, in England where you kind of have, you know, the, the cricket administrators maybe had a cricketing background, but, you know, it's not it's not like Ian Botham is head of the ECB or anything yeah. like that. Like, yeah. you, you've got properly two titans of the game going up against each other here mm-hmm. as well, which I think adds to the drama of the whole thing. But it's interesting to see just how it's all very quickly seems to have changed. It was all dressed up quite positively, and now it's just... 
Yeah, it very much seems to be airing their dirty laundry in public. Ah, it's um, like something you'd expect out of American pop stars or something, yeah. having a Twitter battle or that kind of thing. So I don't really know what the answer will be, but it'll be interesting to see how it's received in the public because, I mean, Coley has so many fans. Yeah. Could you see him just jacking it in, jacking the white ball in? Uh, No, because I think think if he jacked the white ball in, I think quite rightly the BCCI would say, well, you're no being the test captain if you're going to throw your toys at the pram because Mm. they would kind of... I mean, I've got to be honest, if I was them already, I'd be considering whether he'd be ca- continuing on. As now, It's one of these difficult ones because some of it is Coley. He's not necessarily directly posting on Twitter, or but he's speaking to people who are yep. then quoting him. So I think that's just trying to avoid the direct blame a wee bit. But I don't really feel like as a captain you can be spitting the toys out the pram and just kind of being left to get on with that. Like I think you've got to whether you like it or not, you've got to act with a bit of dignity and that's sure not something that he ever does. So, <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, but if he's no longer test captain, that could open it up to different things and you never know. Maybe Coley could start touring around as a, but I don't know whether the BCCI would let him because they've got to sign consents, and, you know, these waivers of... But to let him go and start playing yeah. the T20 franchise cricket elsewhere and still playing the IPL, yeah, basically. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but I don't think it's going to go away quietly. It's not just going to fizz out, I don't think. I no, think I don't so. think it will. Um, certainly, I don't know. When when are they next due to play test matches? Uh, it's next year. Uh, let me have a quick look. India tests. Uh, of course, this is providing it happens. Yes, um, that is obviously with the way COVID oh has no, sorry, changed. It's, it's the 26th of December. So, I oh mean, right, this so is uh, it's not far away. Um, I think so. They're, they're ten days away from the next test match. Yeah, they're going to have to wreck. They're going to have to do something to sort it out. Um, I think he goes into that game as captain, unless he. Picks up a niggle, air quotes, and all of a sudden is out of the series. Yeah, although I I would imagine if that happens that the whole thing will utterly blow up. And I suppose the BCCI have to manage that as well. Yeah. Of, do you really want to annoy your star? Because like, whether they like it or not, whether we like it or not, that's what he is. He's the he star is, of yeah. Indian cricket. Um, and as much as I don't like him, he's earned that right to be that as well. Oh, you yeah. As, as we kind of touched on with the the T20 stats earlier. He is a, a phenomenal cricketer. Um, hasn't had brilliant form over the last couple of years, but has still been productive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I'm actually just having a quick look here. Right? According to this, the ODI squad hasn't officially been named. So I don't know whether this is more just on the back of rumours then about the squad. Um, one of the things that is interesting is that Rohit Sharma is not part of the test squad anymore. But it's mm. still out as the... Now, again, that might be he's being rested. but um, Yeah, possibly. So, I don't know. That's It's an interesting one. And I feel for Rohit Sharma a bit on it because I think, I mean, it all seemed to be relatively fine between the two of them. Like, yeah. I never, you know, it seemed like they kind of got on. It seemed like it was probably a fairly decent appointment. Obviously, in the IPL, they've gone head-to-head against each other as captains, but 
I kind of actually do feel for him because I feel like he's getting caught up in possibly, as I said earlier, Dravid and him are getting scapegoated and it's actually got very little to do yeah. with them. So, be interesting. Interesting series coming up with, you know, it'll be good to have four big nations playing test cricket at one time because obviously they'll be playing at the same time as Australia and England are playing. Yeah. Um, you know, if England haven't forfeited the series by then, but we'll, you know, <laughs> <laughs> get into that shortly. But um, it's uh, forfeited yeah. rather than meekly surrendered. <laughs> <laughs> no, they've done that already. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so Coley has been a Tolly. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. That's maybe unfair to him, but I just don't like him, so it's all good. Yeah. Right. What are you driving home for Christmas, Andrew? What am I driving home for Christmas? Yeah. Um, I'm already home. Well, that's true. Okay, redundant <laughs> question. <laughs> what would you like to be driving home for Christmas? So, what you are alluding to is our plans for the new year. Our plans for the new year. The problem is we're now putting this out, like, recorded. I know. It means we've committed to it. We're going to have to make it happen. I have to do it. We did so once have a dream about another vehicle. It <laughs> never came to life. <laughs> did did anyway so as you can see our studio as what well, you can't really see but we currently record this in my kitchen um so it's on my dining room table which you can see on the youtube channel what we want to do in the new year and what we're gonna do as a commitment is we're gonna build ourselves a nice studio and we're gonna record it as we do it as well so there'll be some nice new content on the youtube channel um details of that callum you're well, the one driving this idea. Driving this? Is it all me? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the plan is, I think we settled on, you wanted to get a catering <laughs> truck. And I was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know how much these things cost? <laughs> so I think we sort of settled like on... From the scrappies. <laughs> oh my God. Andrew, Jesus. But rather than getting a scrappy catering truck, that would probably have about maybe one axle that was any use. Or <laughs> like, is to get a caravan... Um, just probably been sat in a field for years. Ah, that's all right. It's fine. <laughs> probably have to reseal it, strip it out, turn it into a studio, and possibly hit the road for the new cricket season. That that would be the ultimate plan. I mean, one of us needs to get a tow bar on our cars, but you're planning I, on doing I'm, that. I'm planning on that anyway. Um, so checked out your tone capacities and all that. Ah, oh, mate, don't worry about these things. <laughs> It'll be all right. It'll be all right. I, it's no, it can tow. It can tow a reasonable amount. I did. Ch- I can't remember the exact. Figure, but I manage a caravan that's just turned into a studio, no bother at all. So, um, so yeah. So I think the plan would hopefully be. Obviously, we can go and do interviews, but it might be trying to pop around the country, going to different grounds, yeah, meeting different people, hopefully interviewing different people, and you know, trying to spread what's going on in Scottish cricket in a maybe more meaningful way than happens just now. Yeah, that's that's the hope. And pe- some people might actually start listening then. <laughs> listening and watching. Oh, exactly. So yeah, I mean, you see the, the views that these like camper van conversion channels get. That, that's what we're trying to tap into and hope yeah, some of them w- like cricket. W- you know, <laughs> we've not done very well on just crack- tapping at the cricket market. So we thought, we'll just go out, going to build a tiny house after that, um, <laughs> start a cooking channel, it'll be fine. <laughs> TikTok dances. Oh, cricket teas. Cricket, oh, <laughs> rating right the tea. So Arbroath is game number one. That'll be fine. <laughs> yep. Um, um, and, well, no, you can't put them game number one because then that would just be the end of the channel. <laughs> like, <laughs> we found the best. <laughs> best he's done. Yeah, done. Unless unless well, Lords offer us an invitation. Say, say, <laughs> episode two, we're going to have to go to Lords because <laughs> it's the only people who can meet them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Arbroath or Lords. That's it. 
I've heard a lot of Scottish cricketers say that. It's uh, so we'll we'll see. But that's the plan. So we'll see how it goes. Maybe we can't find anything, <laughs> and because you know funds are tight. Funds are tight. <laughs> yeah. But. So if you have a caravan that you want rid of and you can deliver it, <laughs> hit for us free, up for free. <laughs> hit us up. Yep. <laughs> At Dip Dog Pod on Twitter. Yep. No other means of communication. Carrier uh, pigeon. <laughs> Anyway, right, moving on. Um, there's been some cricket happening in Australia. Has it been cricket? <laughs> the Australians have been playing cricket. Ah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Whether the English have bothered. I, I don't know. I mean, as much as he scored a few runs, I mean, Christ, Marlon Slavishane playing miss at any more balls than not edge one. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just reminded, I was watching, obviously, as we record... Um, they're sleeping. They're sleeping um, after having played day one of the second test. Oh, they're probably awake by now, to be fair, actually. Probably haven't. Probably yeah. finished breakfast. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But anyway. Um, yeah, some of Labuschagne's leaves are absolutely hilarious. But the I, way he jumps about is like, it, you laugh at kind of what Steve Smith does, but Steve Smith kind of jumps about and then moves his bat about a bit weirdly. Labuschagne's like hurdling. <laughs> Oh, the wee hop one that he did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, St- Steve Smith had one, and he sort of jumped forward at it and then flayed his bat around and then went, not now. And he'd literally dropped the ball in front of him, and I was like, no, Steve, not ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sod ever running with Marnus. Like, just sod it ever. The boy is mental. He's like, hit it to first slip, and he's like, three! (laughs) What are you doing? Like, it's a great laugh. (laughs) Oh, man. No, he's just mental. (laughs) I just, and I don't get how they found two of them at the same time. (laughs) I know, you've never seen anyone so eccentric at the crease um, than Steve Smith, and then this boy comes along. (laughs) In 10 years' time, there's just going to be 11 of them playing. (laughs) Just like hopping about the place. All bowling leg spin. Just a pure leg spin attack. Leg spin and dibbly topply seam up. It'll be a very English attack. (laughs) But, oh man. But anyway, he's been effective, so he can't criticize him. But he's he's not sod being at the other end. Um, First test. Um, first test. What do we we'll take start from that? First test. Uh, yeah. First test. Let's start at the start. That's so, always a good place to yeah. start, that, Andrew. Um, Before the start of play, right, there was yeah. a selection decision for England. There was a the wrong selection decision for England. Yeah. Yes, it came down to Stuart Broad or Jack Leach. Yeah. And England went with the wrong choice uh, in Jack Leach, and we knew that before the toss on. Ah, oh, we done it. We sort of already discussed this. I mean, I had said that. My view was that in Australia, Jack Leach would just get pumped, and he did. Yeah, it was his one for a hundred and two. One for a hundred and two in the first innings, yeah. and yeah, that was his match because he didn't bowl in the second yeah. innings. Either. So it's and Joe Root took one for twenty nine. Yeah, from much less overs. Yeah, uh, much less but overs. But at the same time, the point I have always made around Jack Leach is that he is not offering you for my mind, 
enough more, if anything more, than what Joe Root's offering. Yeah. For a frontline spinner, you have to offer one of two things. You either have to be a wicket-taker yeah. or you have to be able to hold up an end. Yeah. Jack Leach can't do either effectively. He's not the type of spinner that's going to rip through a team. No. And he just doesn't really seem capable of holding up an end effectively, particularly when you're under the pump. Yeah, no, I mean, he just, because, to be honest, he just bowls one ball, and it's just like a sort of mediocre, floated up, slow left arm delivery. There's just, there's nothing to him. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, there are better spin bowlers have gone to Australia and just got absolutely carted. Because the reality of it is it's not an easy place to bowl spin. Yeah. And it was just... But, I mean, there was just... It, it's not even just the fact that Jack Leach wasn't the right choice. I mean, we discussed about... Because Stuart Broad was the man that was left out. And that in itself was part of the problem. It's yeah. like, you know, I discussed about how, from a leadership point of view, I didn't understand that. Like, you've no Anderson. You've got a lack of experience down under. So you go... You've got... David Warner, who w- had to wear a nappy at the thought of going out to play <laughs> against Stuart Broad, and and they just got it so wrong. But the thing is, it wasn't just that. If we then move on to the start of play, the way they bowled at him was completely and utterly wrong. They just they went across him the whole time, and it was just like you've just not long ago had an Ashes series. We're bowling round the wicket yeah. to him has caused him all sorts of problems. Okay, you've opted not to play Stuart Broad. Fine. Well, not fine, but you've done that, so you move yeah. on from that point. But they just got then they then just continued to get their tactics entirely wrong to him. Yeah. They took Harris's wicket because he's awful. Like, I mean, it's I you know, don't get me wrong, I don't think England bowled badly. I'm not gonna, Jack Leach, but with the exception of Leach and an un- what appeared to be an unfit Stokes, I think the actual main bowlers bowled actually okay. Yep, I um, think so. But yeah, they got the selection wrong on that front. Um, well, on the batting wrong. <laughs> well, the English batsman did what the English batsman did. So obviously we... We recorded a couple of hours before the start of I thought we recorded a, a day before the start of play, Andrew. Oh, behave yourself. <laughs> so we decided that, right, we'll just hang about and we'll watch the start. And the first ball was bowled and then you went, oh, okay. I mean, Rory Burns was already walking off. So that's, yeah, where, where was Rory Burns' front foot when he tried to play that shot? Oh, on its way back to England. <laughs> it was that far away from where it should have been. <laughs> I think the slips must have been telling him he was on the wrong strip. Like, Rory, you may be playing on the other one. <laughs> it was just Abysmal. awful. Yeah. And the thing is, he was one of the few batsmen who, okay, didn't get loads, but he had some prep. He had some time in the middle. Like, he's also a test match batsman. Like, I mean, that was... Like, if I'd watched a guy do that on a Sunday, I'd be like, what were you doing? Yeah. Now, okay, to be fair, the boy bowling at him wouldn't be bowling 90 mile an hour, but even so... Yeah, but it was still a leg stump half volley. Aye, like, you know, don't get me wrong, it's one of those, I always think that if you swing, especially if you swing the ball... First ball, you might get carted for four. Get it up there, get it swinging, and that's what Stark did. So yeah. Credit to him for that. 
But yeah, it, he aimed at the stumps, um, and ultimately Burns missed it. Aye, but it was god awful, and it really just set the tone for what then followed, which was not very good. Abysmal. Yeah. Um, Slight lower order rally a wee bit, but nothing spectacular. So I got a few starts down at the bottom in the middle. Yeah, but even then they were start starts. They were twenties yeah, yeah, no, and thirties, no, no, I mean, and it wasn't yeah, no one even able to to at least offer enough to get to fifty. Yeah, um, which was desperately needed and just didn't happen. Nope. Um, in terms of the wider match, I suppose some positives with the partnership between Root and Milan. Um, yeah. So yeah. So for those who somehow zoomed out of it all. England got bowled out for 147 with Joss Butler top scoring with 39. Um, Pat Cummins took five for. Pat Cummins took five for the first test captain to do it on debut or something like that. Um, it's no, not many like bowling that. captains so I can buy yeah. that. Um Certainly better than saying Mitchell Stark only has 99 test wickets. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we did work out what that stat was. That was his batting high score and his batting uh, average. Yeah, it was probably... <laughs> you just... All sorts of wrong red. got that, that completely wrong, yeah. Uh, so then uh, Australia <laughs> went on to put on 425 um, all out, admittedly. But uh, Travis Head spanked England around for 152 off... 140 balls. Dave Warner got a 94 and Marnus got 74. Um, Robinson was the pick of the England bowlers. Wood and Robinson got the... Well, no, Wood was probably the pick of the bowlers, actually, if you ignore what the stats say. I think Wood was probably the best bowler. But yeah, they both took three and Robinson's stats were better. Um, so then on to England. Not, not as bad a start. But not great. Um, yeah, still not really. Openers still not really doing their job. Yeah. I mean, Hamid got two mid-twenties scores. Yeah, but he's an opener and he's got two starts. Yeah. You've got to make a score. You do. But I think probably, to be fair, I probably, that's more than I actually expected him to get. So, I mean, from my point of view, he's already overachieving. Yeah, and um, from your betting account's point of view. Well, <laughs> and I, yeah, well, I blame you for that. <laughs> I said Rory Burns was going to go cheaply and you talked me at that. So, <laughs> And it was unlucky for him in the second innings because he fell for 13. So we had Root and Milan then came in, both batting away quite nicely, got yeah. to the end of the day's play. Um, they were both about 80-something. Yeah. Um, eight, eight overs from the new ball, 10 overs from the new ball, something like that yeah. um, in the next morning. And you know what? I th- there was some optimism. I think I think most people probably realistically thought England was still going to lose the test. Yeah. I think possibly where people thought is, well, you know, we might be able to at least make Australia work for it in the second innings. And yeah, at least one of those two should go on and turn up and yeah. put a big score on, and then you should get a bit of support because you've laid the foundations of a decent innings, and yeah. by the time you've lost one or two, they're actually through the new ball, and it's not doing much again. And no. No, they, they very nearly didn't even need the new ball. Um, what is it about English batsmen that are overnight on a score? They never seem to kick on the next morning. I think they over. Uh, all I can think is that they overthink it a bit. Um, I mean, 
as soon as uh, to Milan putting Marnus in close on the offside was a master stroke because he just went fell to pieces after they did that. Yeah. Um Lion Bold well, you know, it executed the plan pretty well. Um Cam, Yeah, it was a good bit of captaincy. Green, to be fair to him actually in the first test all round, he didn't do massive but actually looked very dangerous. Um, yep. but yeah, I just somebody just needs to be stepping up to the plate. And you know, and Root was as as much to blame there as anybody else. I know he top scored, but he's the skipper and he needs to take a bit of yeah, he's the skipper. Your team's in trouble. You've laid yourself a decent platform. Then, I mean, again, he got out to a decent ball. He did, but it wasn't like a worldy. It wasn't. Ball. It, but it was a ball that he needed to play at um, because yeah. if it hadn't moved, it would have hit his, the top of his off stump. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a good ball. I'm not saying he threw away his wicket, but that's the difference between the best players, I think, is that it's very hard. Yeah, a good ball won't do it. To get them out. And that's... I wonder if that's possibly what's always held root back just that little bit from your Coley's, Smith's, Williamson's Mm. and the like that... uh, There are days where he doesn't look like getting out, but... you know, I remember well. We obviously saw it live, but um, you know, it's, I can drop it, can drop one of these in. When Steve Smith was batting at Old Trafford, and to be honest, throughout the entirety of that series, pretty much, and then with the exception of Geoffrey Archer smashing him on the head, he just looked like he wasn't going to get out. Or when Jack Leach got him with a no ball. Spinners blow no balls. Don't get me started. That's yeah. just enough reason to never play him in Test match cricket again. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would just, if I was the skipper, spinning balls and no ball, just order them off the field. Yeah, just, just like, you, away him. You're an idiot. Yeah. Get off. Um, what did you make of the whole Ben Stokes no ball stuff? So I think they counted back. The technology yeah, wasn't working. So four, four, was 15 no balls or something? Well, something like that, but I think four it bowled the four previous balls were all no balls. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I've umpired to a reasonable standard. And you do, especially with the quicker bowlers, they do speak to you as the umpire and sort of go, look, how's my foot doing? Yeah. Especially as they're starting to get into their spell, their stride length's just getting out a wee bit. You know, they might start, they might bowl their first few balls halfway between the two lines in the crease and then they're slowly pushing forward and they know when they're starting to get there. And they do, they do rely on you. And to me as an umpire, you try and work with them where you can to sort of say, look, you're, you know, you're kind of... You're good there, yeah, but any like further, any further you're, you're and you're getting yourself issue. in trouble. And, don't get me wrong, maybe some people don't agree with that, but I think that's just part of the sort of game management of it as a as an official and but yeah, I, I don't think it's right. And this is where I actually quite liked where they went they moved to doing no balls. Or they did the third umpire was doing all no balls. Yeah. Because which is I, what was meant to be happening here as yeah, well, but the technology failed. Because I disagreed with this whole well, let's get a batsman recalled for that no ball, is yeah. it, which is effectively what happened there. Yeah. Because it's like, well, hang on, why are you letting him bowl all these other no balls, but when it's then a wicket, and I know, obviously, it's a sort of, it more swings the game when there's an actual wicket, but I don't think it's fair to the bowler to allow them to keep bowling. You know, it'd be like, it'd be like somebody chucking the ball 
and allowing them to keep doing it until they take a wicket. And then at the point they take a wicket going, no, sorry, you bowl illegally. Yeah. Well, it's either illegal bowling or it's not. Whether there's a wicket being taken should actually be irrelevant to that. Yeah, if it's consistently happening, the bowler needs to be made aware and they need to be allowed to make that adjustment, um, which isn't what happened. Um, Yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. Um, Yeah, and and it is. And it obviously played a role in the game as well. Um, And I mean, I'm not really convinced England would have gone on to win, but yeah. You know, you know, yeah, you never I know. think if you're in a situation where the technology is not working, then it should be the case of, right, well, the technology is not working. It's up to the umpire on the field to make the call. Yeah, and yeah, I just... I think it's just a cop-out in modern umpiring that they're not calling it on the field. But if they're not, fine. But you've got to... I mean, you must, for checking for running on the pitch and stuff like that, you must still have a sort of eye in and around that area. Like, and I just don't see how it's that big a change to need it. But I know that the theory behind it is that you're, you're trying to get more of the decisions right. So the yeah. idea is, well, take that off you to enable you to get more decisions right at the other end. But then we've already got the DRS that kind of helps you do that already. And it just feels... I actually think it's taking some of the sort of skill of umpiring out of it because actually less and less is with the on-field umpire because most things are getting reviewed anyway. So Yeah, never call a run out even though they're two yards out, they still go upstairs half the time. I know. It's <laughs> just, to me, call it and if you want to check if the keeper's cleanly taking the ball or something, um, then do it. But say, well, I think you're out. But if the camera... If it shows back that actually taking it and the ball's left his hand, well, you just bring the ball back. Yeah. I don't see why. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, but I, d- I, d- I don't think that's right. I think Ben Stokes should have been allowed to adjust. Some of the Australian commentary suggested a, a bowler knows when they bowled a no ball. I think that... Is nonsense. Is absolute nonsense and is just typical older bloke thinking that they were perfect when they played... Um, yeah, which doesn't just exist at international standard, but um, yeah, I think that's absolute rubbish. Um, but so we made some predictions um, last time out. Yep. Uh, we each predicted who we thought would be the leading run scorer and the leading wicket takers. Calm, yep. can you remind us who we chose? So you went Joe Root. Joe Root. And Pat Cummings, I believe. I think, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did, because I'm sure we had the discussion about it, it was the head-to-head of the captains. Yeah. Um. So you went, Joe Root to score the most runs, Pat Cummings to get the most wickets, I went with Marnus, Lava Shane to score the most runs, and Ollie Robinson to get the most wickets. Cool, so we'll give an update. So if you're on YouTube, you get the whole experience oh, yeah, here. Because we're going to bring up our list of leading run scorers. And as you can see after the first test match. Yeah, so even though we've got we've had day one, yeah, we've, we're we've just ignored to, that. Cause we'll do it on a test match by test match basis. So yeah. after the first test match, the leading run scorer is Travis Head, who has 152 runs at an average of 152. The irony of it is, Travis Head's about where my head would be. Quite ironic, that. Yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, then it's Dave Warner with 94 at 94, Root 89 at 44 and a half, 
Milan just one run, run behind him with 88 at 44. And then your pick, Marnus Labuschagne, is in fifth place, uh, 74 at 74. Though looks set to take a big leap in the standings after this test match. Wicket takers wise, let's have a look and we will bring them up. My pick, Pat Cummins, uh, is leading the way with seven wickets at an average of 12.71. You picked Robinson, we said, yeah. I'm sure I did. I think you did, yeah. Robinson, uh, he's in second place. Three wickets behind uh, Cummins, four at an average of 17.75. Lyon uh, also has four at an average of 28. Um, and then there's three or four guys that are on three wickets, um, but those with the best average are Cam Green with three at 9.67 and Josh Hazelwood with three at 24.67. Um, so, yeah, all, our contenders are all certainly up there. All right. We do. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and watch the last episode to check who we actually picked because I remember since then about Dow and Milan as well. So I'm now a bit confused. Maybe we picked one for each team and then did the overall. We did do that. Is that what we did? Right. So I'll go back and double check exactly <laughs> who we picked. Yes. Um. So second test, as we said, has now started, and I get into some interesting stuff to discuss. So my <laughs> wicket taking choice. Um, Pat Cummins is missing the game. Well, see, this is p- part of why I want to go and check. I actually think you picked Joss Hazelwood, but then I'm not sure. Oh, well, well he's missing so, the game as well. So. He's also <laughs> missing the game. So. <laughs> we're very well prepared for these episodes that we record. Yeah. I was confident before we recorded that that's what we picked, and now I'm like, I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely need to double check that for next time. Cool. Um, cheers, Callum. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, uh, Pat Cummins. Wickets, I'm sorry. There were twenty odd cases of COVID nineteen in South Australia, the whole entire state, um, and Pat Cummins has been incredibly unlucky to have come into close contact with one of them at a restaurant. I believe the day before the test match started. Yeah, and I think they do. They already had stuff in place like they have. They're only allowed to eat in groups of four and all that kind of stuff yeah. to just try and avoid contact and no luck pat yeah so he is uh, rather than playing in this test match is spending the next seven days in his hotel room although they have said they are trying to switch him to an airbnb i'm assuming they're trying to move him to an airbnb so that he has the capability of going outside and still training y- you would assuming. think so just a house with a garden yeah. you would think is what they're trying to get him into a house with a net yeah <laughs> <laughs> Just Airbnb <laughs> off, just uh, a club I ground. <laughs> <laughs> the next biggest ground in Adelaide has all of a sudden registered as an Airbnb. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just become Pat Cummins' house. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he's missing. Uh, Josh Hazelwood, there was a lot of chat during the first test about the status of him injury-wise anyway. Yeah, because um, he just stopped bowling at one point. Yeah, although he did then come back for the new ball yeah. uh, as well. Um he has missed this match through injury. Yeah, I can't remember what's wrong with him, but there's something. Which means that uh, Jai Richardson and Michael, Michael Nesser yeah. uh, have come in to replace them. Is I mean, they're, they're still good bowlers, but that is a big drop-off. Um, and uh, They are, but they probably walk into the English team, both of them. So Yeah, probably. Um, but... So. 
the English batting lineup, when it is their turn to bat, have to seize the opportunity of basically facing Australia's second string attack. Yeah, and I think this is one problem we have probably with our top three in particular is as much as I backed Milan to do well, and you know he's obviously had a decent start. Yeah. Um, and he's got the capability of stepping up through the gears. I don't know if I see that top three as being a top three that's going to really make them go onto the back foot and really go at them. You know, yeah. Dave Warner's done it so far in this innings. Um, okay, albeit he actually did start quite slowly, but then really stepped up through the gears. Travis Head did it in the first test, you know, really just went at England. And uh, I don't know if Hamid's not going to do it. Burns can, on his day, has sort of had slight glimpses of doing it, but I don't see him doing it either. Milan's probably the most likely of yeah. the three, but the problem is if he comes in early, well, it probably means you're already slightly on the back foot because you've got an early wicket. Um, yep. And at the end of the day, they still have the best pink ball opening bowler in the world t- to face first um, in Mitchell Stark. So, um, yeah. So you know, it's not like it's not. If England lost their main two bowlers, it'd be like, oh right, okay. Um, especially quicks, you know, if they. Uh, I, but it's they just seem to have an arsenal of them. So, um, in Australia, so it's uh, they should try and pressure them. But whether they're gonna, I don't know if you think any differently, Andrew. No, I think I agree with what you've said there. Um, Hamid is a blocker. He's a traditional opening batter, isn't he? Yeah. He's a blocker first and foremost. Um, Barnes, as you said, can sort of play that sort of more up-tempo innings, but I feel like Barnes, when he did, if you don't see it from Barnes in the first 10 overs, then I don't feel like he's someone that can go through the gears. He's, no, no. I think he, he starts quick. He does it or he does it. Yeah. yeah it's one or the other. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so it's it's not easy. But. So yeah, so it'll be interesting. But um, if England are to win this Test match and they're not in a great position after the first day, Australia are two hundred and odd for two. Two hundred twenty-one for two. Yeah, because yeah, it was one shot of the two-two-two for yeah. two. I noticed D- double Nelson. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're going to have to take early wickets uh, on day two and then bat really well uh, when they get the opportunity. England selection. Um, what did you make of it? So first of all, Jack Leach has been dropped. Interesting. And Mark Wood has been rested. Yeah, the Mark Wood one is a tough one because we all know how frail Mark Wood is. Yes. And if it was... Now, okay, I know ironically he's missing this game, but Pat Cummings is a quick bowler with a very good fitness record, not early in his career, but once yep. he came back from that, he's had an, an astonishing fitness record for a guy who's bowling at 90 mile an hour plus. Yep. The problem is Marwood doesn't have that body. Like, he doesn't have the fitness to do that. And I think the reality of it is... England have to look at the opportunities to where is he going or where can other players step up more easily than, you know, when Mark Wood isn't playing. And I think, yeah, I know that 
a bit too much has been made of the pink ball in terms of swing and things like that. Yep. But under lights, it still should swing. It didn't necessarily do loads, but and it, as a new before the thirty over mark, it still swings about as well. Again, England didn't really find that, but that was down to them. To be honest, not bowling the right lengths. I mean, I saw a staggering... It was about 220-ish balls had been bowled in the day. 11 of those balls were hitting the stumps. Like, yeah, th- This has been a problem for England for probably the last three or four years. How many times have we kind of looked at a match and gone, they've just bowled the wrong lengths? Yeah. They do I, it time and time again. And you just have to look at I know the way that Labashain plays and even, you know, Warner and Smith, you know, these guys do like to be on the back foot. And if they can, they'll go back foot rather than pressing forward. But make them press forward. Yeah. It, it's a test. It's not an ODI. If you get driven for four, you go, you've played a really good shot. Well done. Pull it back. But they just seemed so reluctant. And they actually, the irony of it is, they didn't bowl the right line, so the swing got thrown out. And actually, then the argument for it being an okay decision to rest would, on the basis that I would assume England's thought on it was having three, having fit for the three red ball test matches. Yeah. And they've kind of thrown that away. Now, that's, to be fair, that's the bowlers that have done that, not the selectors that have done that. Um, but, yeah. I, if it was a fitter person, I'd be saying it's a bad call, but it is Mark Wood, so I do understand where that has come from. He bowled, what, 25 overs in the first test, something like that? Oh, have you got the scorecard up in front of me? I've got the scorecard up in front of me. So he bowled 25 and a half overs in the first innings. And then I think one ball in the second. And then one ball, yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he put in a lot of yards in that first innings. Like He did, but it was right at the start of the game. He has effectively had a week's rest since. I I just don't really understand the logic of you're only in the second match of the series. And you're 1-0 down. You're 1-0 down. His workload hasn't been huge and he's had a week's rest since that workload. I just don't get the call of why you then go, no, we're resting you. Particularly when there isn't another op like you're now you've got five medium fast right arm bowlers in that attack. Mm. There's nothing different. There's not even a left armor in there. Even if you had a Sam Curran. Yeah, because at least you've got variation. You've got something different. That was it. I was trying to remember before we went on there, I was saying Shane Warne said something that I agreed with, which made me sick. But um <laughs> he very quickly backed up with something else that was a load of rubbish. But he said that's the problem. England have got five you know, 130 kilometres an hour, as he would refer to it as sort of mid-80s bowlers, yeah. right-arm bowlers. It's, there was, there's no variation at all. Um, and that is a problem. And there are some people who just don't like playing five quicks. I'm not actually, I don't necessarily buy into that school of thought if it if that's what your squad determines. I think if you've got an all-rounder who's a quick, then y- yeah. you go with it. But, I think picking carbon copies of each other is a bit of a problem. And to be honest, because they all pretty much bowled too short, they really were all carbon copies of each yep. other. 
yeah, they were beating the bat. Like, Marnus was beaten about 20 times. But because it was too short, it's not as dangerous. You're not actually enticing the drive and getting the edge. Like, yeah. it's. And then when you do eventually get the edge. Well, but just before we go on to that (laughs) point, Jack Leach even being in the 12, to me, is an absolute joke. And actually says a hell of a lot about, I don't understand what England are doing with their selection. I mean, Don Bess has taken six wickets in the Lions-Australia A game. Okay, he was fairly, you know, he wasn't as tight as he could have been and whatever, did bowl a lot of overs in the second innings particularly. But he's taken six wickets yeah. against, okay, in an A game. But he's taken six wickets against the one wicket that Jack Leach has taken and has been absolutely decimated yes. by the Australian battle. So, to me, I think you, if you put Leach in, there's nothing's changed. The ground isn't different to what you would have expected it to be. There's no condition that is different to what you'd expect it to be. And actually, in some ways, I think if you're playing, if you're putting Leach in the 12, actually, probably should be playing. Because you're almost saying, we're going to back you. We're going to say, you're our number one spinner, and we're going to back you. And if they're not prepared to do that, which I don't actually think they ever were, at least if you played one, Don Best probably has arguably earned a shot by his performance against Australia. But he can bat, and he can field. So at least in the other facets of the game, you're gaining by playing them. And because you could have perhaps... The Australian commentators seem to favour Robinson not playing. I found that slightly interesting. But you could have still had the depth of... You could have still batted to nine. Yeah. Or have some capability batting to nine by taking somebody out and playing him. And I just find that very odd. I find it odd to Jack Leach because you're not actually backing him as your main spinner. Also, what are you saying to Don Best? Like, to be honest, why is he there? If that's going to be your attitude towards him, I don't really know what the England selectors are trying to do by it. But I think that's because, to be honest, in recent times, I just think England selections are clueless. I just don't understand it at all. But yeah, and spinners in particular, it's a real issue. Um, I mean, we've been kind of calling out for a while for. Joe Root to kind of back himself as and be the spinner. The England aren't blessed with spinning talent, so we are getting that in this game. But yeah, the rest of the the lineup and what it offers just there isn't enough there to go and win a Test match. No, and I mean you do look at it and you go, could somebody in the ECB not have convinced Moinali to stay on? Like you know, I think it, could somebody not have gone. You know, a deal. You, f- you fancy it, like the, the pro- That's the big one for me is that the Adil Rashid is England's best spinner. Yeah. And any way you dress it up, red ball, white ball, I don't care. Adil Rashid is the best of them, and yeah. He, well, just, he's exactly what you're talking about. He isn't going to come into a test match and bowl two and have an economy rate of two. No, he's not. He's probably gonna. He could have an economy rate of five, but at, if he's bowled ten overs, he's probably got you two wickets at yep. the same time, and he's a wicket taker. And actually, what that England team is crying out for 
is a wicket taker. Yeah. Because even Markwood, as well as he bowled, I sort of touched on this before, I don't think he's the right type of fast bowler for Australia. He'll take wickets, but I'm not convinced Australia is going to blow teams away. And I'm kind of looking around that England lineup and I'm going, who is going to blow anyone away? And right now, I'm just like, I don't know. Who I just don't see it. I, yeah, they sorely missing the, the sort of express options out with Wood uh, in Stone and Archer. Um, Sorry, and Archer doesn't bowl quick in tests. Yeah, but we're saying that. It's a myth. It, it is. We, and it's something we've spoken about before. Um, the but fact that he just doesn't bowl at the paces that he's capable of with a red ball is yeah. a big miss as well. Uh, and the, the lack of a proper, yeah. a proper spinner. Um, but yes, edges were taken uh, well, yeah, twice. So speaking about lack of proper players in proper positions. Yeah, so twice an edge was offered from the bat of Marnus Labuschagne, once when he was on 20-odd and another when he was on 90-odd. And twice, Josh Butler put the ball on the deck. Yeah. Now, credit to Josh Butler. His catch for Harris was sublime. It was outstanding. One of the best you will see. Oh, absolutely. So let's not take that away from him. You know, credit where credit's due. The first one on, I think it was on twenty-one um, at the point, and it was off the bowling of Ben Stokes. Uh, yeah, off Ben Stokes, who was because of no wood, was kind of using. They were using him as the enforcer, sort of enforcer type role. Um, I'm not sure his body will be thanking them after the test match, <laughs> but hey ho, um, he, you know, but. I mean, there's this. There's a heat map of where he bowled, and Christ, he was just putting it on the boy's head like all the time. Like, I mean, to be fair, at Marnus's level, that's not very high. But um, it's and but the thing is, it was a tough chance for Butler, um, down the leg side, diving across. But he got, he, he did he'd, the hard bit. Yeah, he'd made it fairly easy for himself. He, if anything, he'd actually gone too far. Yeah, but it was still very catchable, and. And the second one is just an absolute dolly. Yeah, the the second one is just regulation. I that said he takes that ninety nine times out of a hundred. Well, my concern is I don't know if he does, and that's my concern with Joss Butler. Yeah, an international a test match wicketkeeper should take that ninety nine times out of a hundred. It uh, was a very straightforward. It was Jimmy Anderson that was bowling. Yeah. Um. So it was rapid, of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But no, it was a it was a low eighty mile an hour delivery, yep. um, which he'd pitched up. Um, Marnus had had a drive at it and it had taken the edge. And it wasn't was, a big edge. It yeah. wasn't an inside edge. It was a regulation outside edge, probably deviated about two foot by the time it had got to Butler. Uh, it was sort of a just above sort of waist height. It was a good it height. Was just a lovely catch. I, a lovely catchable ball. Probably in his def- sort of defence, it's probably due to the fact that they had a long day in the field with very little. And close to, close to the end of the day, and he probably switched off. Now, that's explaining why it's happened. That does not justify it, it at all. excuse it. Yeah. Like, uh, he is not England's best gloveman. His hands are not good enough. Both of his drops, to me, showed that he's not a good enough keeper. And, okay, he got some, you know, he got a 39 in the first test match. He's not a good enough batsman either. You know, he, he isn't Matt Pryor. He isn't 
I mean, he's not even Brad Haddon. Like, you know, yeah. he's he's not good enough in the red ball game with either the gloves or the bat. And I think ultimately, whether you it's a long-term option or not, I still believe that Bairstow is a better gloveman than Butler. And I just... For me, it shouldn't be either of them. It should be folks. Well, it should be. But again, that's another mystifying... It's because, unfortunately, we've had cliques in the past in England and there just seems to be another one. Yeah. Ben Folks is comfortably England's best gloveman. He should have the gloves. He's a handy batsman as well. I mean, he's a good batsman and I think he's... He, he actually plays quite properly, but he's he suffers from the fact that he's in and out. Of the, he, he, he can't expect to drop people and bring them back and drop uh, and expect them just to jump back in. Yeah, and all of a sudden produce runs. It's you know he just needs to be given, especially when you've got Chris Wokes at eight and a Robinson or Overton or Curran or whoever the other bowl, you know, yeah. there, there's England are generally speaking nowadays playing with two all rounders, stroke bowling all rounders, in the in the lower order because obviously yeah. you've got Stokes, but he's a sort of different part of the order. You can afford to give up some of the batting, but I would, I can. You go and play Ben Folks for twenty tests. He averages what Josh Butler averages. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, but it's not going to happen, or in this series, because he was part of the Lions squad, and the Lions squad have been sent home. Yep. Um, so, if they are going to make a change, it's Bearstow, or unless you give Ollie Pope Ollie the gloves. Pope. <laughs> Well, that's no. not going to happen. So it's Bairstow or Butler. Um, and I don't think either are the, the correct option. Uh, but if it's me, third test, Butler's out, uh, Butler's out and Bairstow's in. I, I just... I, I, I would struggle as a bowler after watching what he has done. It, it's so demoralising. Because also the other thing is, is you're Jimmy Anderson bowling down under the likeliest way of you getting a wicket is caught. Yeah. If you have no faith that the guy behind the stumps is actually going to go and catch a ball, whether anyone wants to admit it or not, subconsciously, you're probably losing something by that being the case. You yeah, know, because you're then trying, you're going, well, if he's not going to catch it, I have to do something else. And so you're, you go searching. Yeah. And it's just, and I feel bad because he did, his keeping did improve for a, a little while. But he's never been good enough with the gloves. And I just... But nobody seems... (laughs) No one in the ECB ranks appears to be able to tell that. Um, It's all well and good with a white ball. It's not really doing very much. But, yeah, yeah, I think England need to look at that. And there needs to be some real questions asked. But that's the thing. They don't... I think I sort of touched on this with... If Owen... If Owen Morgan was the test captain, which I'm not suggesting he becomes the test captain, but I think he's the kind of guy who would be asking these questions. A good captain would be asking these questions. And I think the problem slightly England have is that Joe isn't that good a captain and he's not prepared to ask the tough questions because I think he's... Particularly of his mates. Well, yeah. You know, I think Butler, Stokes... Broden Anderson can kind of do what... He's got a bit more of an excuse with Broden Anderson. Their sort of age seems to make dropping them or resting them acceptable. But 
Um, you know, Butler, no, time to go. Finish. Away him. Anyway, anyway. speaking of time to go. Okay, it's been a long time. Time to wrap up. Time to wrap up. Episode, it is yes. cold outside, so I will be wrapping Indeed. up. Right. Um, yeah, thank you for, for being with us. Um, let us know your thoughts on the Ashes, your thoughts on Virat Kohli and the situation with India. Um, if you've got a spare caravan kicking about that you want to donate. Um, so I all can that sort of stuff. Rant across the country. <laughs> rant across the country. You got your inner Bob Willis on the go this evening. You I really do, yeah. did. <laughs> um but yeah, let us know your thoughts at DibDobPod on Twitter and do please like, comment, subscribe on the YouTube channel as well. Um, tell your friends, let us know that we um, have good opinions and good good conversations. Do you know what? I think that totally sums us up. Let us know we have um, yeah. good opinions. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. probably sums Fantastic. us up. Right, well, uh, anyway, thank you. Um, and we'll maybe speak to you next week. I don't quite know what our Christmas plans are for the podcast um but i'll we'll see how s- sober i yeah. am we'll speak at some point over the next fortnight um if not before have a good christmas yep bye everyone